It's time for Tim. The Tim Weisberg Show on 1420 WBSM and streaming live on WBSM.com and the WBSM app. Talk to Tim now at 508-996-0500 or send him a message through the WBSM app. And now, WBSM's big gun, Tim Weisberg. And good morning. Welcome into the program. Happy Wednesday to you. Hope your day's starting off right. We're going to be talking about a lot of different things this morning. And New Bedford Mayor John Mitchell will return for Midweek with the Mayor. And uh, we will take your phone calls for the Mayor. And, of course, we have a lot to discuss with him because he hasn't been here for a couple weeks. So we can discuss all of the things that have been happening around the city, including those proposed ballot questions. Well, those those questions that, as of right now, will be on the ballot. Uh, the mayor will likely veto all three, as, uh, as he told Jack Spillane. The council will be able to at least put two of those on the ballot and override his veto. And, and then, of course, the CPA question will depend on which counselors want to stand up for the Community Preservation Act. So we'll talk with him about all of that. Uh, we'll talk to him about the DATCO situation. And uh, there's some other things that we'll discuss with him as well. But uh, one thing that I want to talk about with you, and I had kind of alluded to this a little bit at the end of yesterday's show, but I, I, I got to talk to somebody about it because it's it's been bothering me a little bit. And I think you all will understand so as I had mentioned, you know, for I, I, there's something going on where New Bedford is in the Hollywood eye right now. Now, we've seen this happen for, you know, the last 20 years or so where films were coming here, mov- movies were coming here to be filmed. Uh, it, the city was a backdrop for a lot of things, but not necessarily named. Of course, you have, you know, films like Passionata. And there were a couple of, you know, short films that directly referenced New Bedford. But for the most part, it served as a backdrop in films like, what was it, Night and Day, the one with Cameron Diaz and Tom Cruise, where they filmed the race, the, the chase scene up and down Route 18. And then uh, Jungle Land, which shot around the area, uh, both in New Bedford and Fall River, but didn't really, didn't really identify either in the film. So there's been a lot of that uh there was just recently a production that started filming in downtown new bedford invitation to a bonfire i think it was called and that actually didn't stick around they filmed four episodes and then amc the network it was going to air on pulled the plug and from some articles i was reading it's still looking to have a life somewhere else. They're trying to shop it around to see if somebody else is interested in running running what they've filmed and financing more. But that doesn't necessarily mean they'll come to uh, New Bedford because the, the show itself takes place in New Jersey. So New Bedford was serving as a stand-in for that. But there's been a couple of references lately on, on television to New Bedford, which I find interesting because it makes me wonder how they come up with these reference points. The first was uh, a few weeks ago on The Last of Us. I think it was the third episode of the season. And on that, it was just a brief mention. It, they were, it was a scene that takes place in the town of Sudbury. 
where the character played by Nick Offerman is breaking into the power company to, to get the power running again. And it says New Bedford gas on the sign. And even though it takes place in Sudbury, you know, I, I think that they might have been thinking of Bedford. And somebody was like, no, it's New Bedford. And they, that's what they put on the sign. But anyway, it was nice to see a little bit of a New Bedford shout out on a hit series. I mean, that series has become a, a smash success for HBO. And rightly so. It was a great show. This past Sunday, AMC, you know, that same network that canceled the show that was filming in downtown New Bedford, AMC has a new series called Lucky Hank. And Lucky Hank stars Bob Odenkirk, who you know is Saul Goodman from Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. And uh, you might have seen him on Mr. Show. And he's been on all kinds of stuff. Great actor, funny guy. And this series takes place at a college in, in Western Pennsylvania, fictional college. And he's the department chair of the English department. And they, they use this series and the setup as a way, they, they, they basically took a shot at New Bedford. In the course of the show, the idea is that uh, as the chair of the English department, his colleagues are trying to get him removed as the chair. I'm not really, it's not really a spoiler to tell you that. And you can read about this at WBSM.com and on the app. And I have some screenshots in there from the from the show. But the the joke, and I use that term loosely because it, it wasn't really very funny. But the joke was that he was, you know, the accused in this this uh this this vote session that they're having, whether or not to remove him. So they say, would the accused like to say anything to defend himself? And somebody else says, oh, The Accused, that's a great movie. Yeah, we watch it in class. Jodie Foster won the Oscar for that movie. And now, if you're not familiar with The Accused, it's a 1988 film based on the Big Dan's rape case. The, the case in the, the South End of New Bedford that made national headlines. In which a woman was gang raped. And the trial itself turned into a spectacle because a lot of people felt that it, there were biases because the suspects were immigrants and that this was, you know, the, the, this, this was just as much uh, racism toward them than it was just about the actual rape itself. So this, this story caught national attention and eventually became uh, the 1988 movie The Accused starring Jodie Foster. But in that movie... It's, it's loosely based on, on the true case, and it actually takes place in Washington State. But the joke, or you know, whatever, the, whatever they were trying to do in, in, in the show Lucky Hank, when they say, oh, The Accused, that's a great movie. So one of the other characters says, you know, the New Bedford Chamber of Commerce hated that movie. It pretty much killed the Moby Dick tours. And when I heard it, like watching the show, I didn't, you know, I was like, oh, New Bedford gets a reference on TV, but I didn't think much about it until I really started to think about it as I was writing it. The accused takes place in Washington state. So you really have to know the backstory to that whole case to get a New Bedford reference out of it. So whoever wrote that line, 
obviously knew the backstory of that case. Which also makes me think, like, why would you make it into a joke? I guess it's a joke. It's always hard to tell what a joke is when you have a dramedy. A show that is supposed to be a drama but is also funny. And I think sometimes dramedy is an excuse for the stuff that we put in here that are supposed to be jokes aren't really that funny. But that's certainly one of those situations where on the surface, like if you didn't know, if you've seen the film, but you don't know the backstory of the film, you're like, I don't get that. That movie takes place in Washington State. What's the connection to New Bedford? And and even so, you you would need to know what New Bedford is you would need to know why New Bedford has Moby Dick tours. Like there was a lot of layers to that joke or attempted a joke. And I'm looking through all of the connections, trying to figure it out. Maybe there's some writers that are in the writer's room that, uh, you know, I didn't find listed on online or didn't, wasn't able to trace back their connections to the South Coast. But the only really local connection I could find is Peter Farrelly is the, was the director of the episode and he was the exe- he's the executive producer of the series. And Peter Farrelly, uh, you, you probably are familiar that he won the Oscar. Uh, his film Green Book won Best Picture. But those with sophomoric minds like myself know him better for the work he did with his brother Bobby, where they came out with those string of, you know, dumb comedies in the late 90s and early 2000s. Like There's Something About Mary, Dumb and Dumber, one of my favorite all-time movies, Kingpin. Uh, Shallow Hal, Me, Myself, and Irene. Uh, they also produced one of my favorite movies that n- doesn't get enough attention called Outside Providence. If you've never seen that film, it's a, it's a great movie. It's not, it's not the same level of, you know, dumb comedy as, as Dumb and Dumber or There's Something About Mary. It's actually a very sweet film that's uh, autobiographical by the Farrelly brothers. So even though they didn't direct it, they, they produced it, and, and Peter Farrelly wrote it. So I'm guessing that maybe they're, they're growing up in Cumberland, Rhode Island, and being there at the time of the Big Dan's rape case, maybe that is why they were able to make that connection. But it just it seems like a weird thing to make a joke about. Unless that's what they're trying to set the tone for the series and say, hey, well, this is a dark comedy. Like, if we're going to have jokes, they're going to be dark jokes. Because I don't... I think... It doesn't really get any darker than making a rape joke. Joking that a rape case killed the Moby Dick tours. But anyway, you can check it out for yourself. Uh, Check out the story at WBSM.com and on the WBSM app. And you can give the series a watch too if you think it might be something that you're interested in. I I don't know how I feel about it after one episode. It seems like it would be pretty good. Uh, Bob Odenkirk has promised that you see kind of like his character's like mental breakdown, which, you know, he's, he's a very good actor. So I think it'll be fun to watch, but I don't know. I, I, I just, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get why you would make that joke and, and why you would make something that was such a, a deep reference. Unless it was to just get, you know, nerds like me to be like, oh, wait a minute. They're so smart because they know the backstory of the accused. I, 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 I don't know. But check it out for yourself and and let me know what you think of the show if you watch it. You can send me an app chat message on the WBSM app or you can email me, Tim, at WBSM.com. But anytime you see uh, New Bedford or any part of the South Coast referenced in a a film or a movie, 
shoot it on over to me because I, I love sharing that with people and seeing their reaction to it and also kind of keeping track of it. I, I have a, a file uh, in my Google Docs where I keep track of all these New Bedford references because there, there's definitely more of them happening. There's more references. There's more utilizing of the area, which a lot of that has to do with because once one production comes and has a good experience here, word will get out. You know, Jungle Land came, had a good experience. Finest Kind comes later. I don't think that's a coincidence. And I'm sure that will lead to other films as well. I don't think Finest Kind has come out yet. It's supposed to be, I guess, on Paramount+. Plus, But I don't know if it's come out already. I haven't seen it on the streaming service. I do watch a few things on Paramount+. Plus. Uh, the show with Sylvester Stallone, Tulsa King, was pretty good. Uh, I watch um, all the, I watch the, the shows from the Yellowstone universe. And... Um, I, I really enjoy Mayor of Kingstown. I mean, I don't. I shouldn't say enjoy. That's a show that you you don't feel good watching it. Like you think to yourself, do they ever have a moment in their day where everything just isn't collapsing in on them? Like, do they ever just get a, a moment to just like sit down and have a meal and be like, ah, oh, that was a nice peaceful meal? It, it seems like the kind of show where something is always on the verge of you know total collapse. But anyway. 508-996-0500 is the number. If you want to call in and chime in, you can also hit us up on App Chat on the WBSM app. But uh, if you want to um, talk about any other New Bedford references you've seen too, you can do that as well. I just think I just think that it's cool that we we get that type of notoriety, even if it is a, a terrible joke. I mean, who makes a joke about a rape case in which, by the way, the the victim died. A few years later in a horrible accident, which, you know, she had a lot of problems. So some folks have questioned the, the, the circumstances of that accident because she, she had developed addiction problems. And that's, that's the thing that you make a joke about? Oh, anyway. 508-996-0500. We'll be back in just a few moments. Oh. up on app chat on the WBSM app. That's uh, that's one of the songs on Songs of Surrender, the new U2 album that I actually think is worthwhile. A lot of it, I, I'm just like, you, you didn't need to do this. But that song, it's nice having an acoustic version, an acoustic reworking of one of my favorite songs, Who's Gonna Ride Your Wild Horses from the Octong Baby album. Uh, anyway, 508-996-0500 or hit us up on app chat on the WBSM app. If uh, you want to join join in the conversation, um, one thing too, if you missed this story last night, and I, you know, it, it's something that I think uh, got a lot of people's attention 
because of the circumstances around it. But I guess from from what I understand, and uh, you can read the story with all the details at, at WBSM.com or on the app, there was an incident Monday, Monday night, in which a woman said, claimed that she was assaulted. And she told police that she was put into a campfire, thrown into this campfire, and held there until she could escape. And the police went to the scene and they, they searched the woods. They used, um, they used a drone as well as patrol units and they were able to locate the suspect. And they arrested him. His name is Robert McWilliams. He's 45 years old with a last known address of New Bedford. Now, normally when, when someone says, when police say, you know, last known address, I take that to mean that he's probably homeless. Because a lot of times that's what happens is we have people who are you know, not, not living in that address and they haven't updated their information, but they're not in that home. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's, it, it just signals that to me usually, maybe rightly or wrongly. And so they're out there with this campfire out near the woods. I'm assuming that that's where they're living. And so this, this person was arrested and was charged. He was arraigned yesterday and charged with multiple uh, assault charges, including assault with intent to kill. But I was, I was talking about this with Kate before we came on the air about you know, just some of the circumstances around that. So, you know, if, if somebody is holding somebody in the fire so that they can't escape, does that mean that they're, they're burning themselves as well? Like, was this person that intent on harming, allegedly, was this person allegedly that intent on harming somebody that they, they harm themselves to be able to do it? I, I, I don't know. But it's certainly a, a story that we'll be following up on and keeping an eye on. 508-996-0500. One of those other stories that we're keeping an eye on is the story of the Datco bus ending its service next month from New Bedford to Boston. And Phil had the vice president on yesterday and spoke with him about it. And he has an article up at, at WBSM.com and on the app where you can read some of the, the comments that they had about this, about this this change. And I know Marcus was discussing it last night as well, talking about how this is just one more way that the people of the South Coast are being cut off from getting access to the the major city, the state capital. And yeah, you can say, well, they can drive, right? No, not everybody drives. Not everybody has a car, even if they do have the ability to drive. And we're still, if this is going to be happening in uh, mid-April, I think it was April 16th, if this is going to be happening in mid-April and the train service isn't supposed to start until December, and that's assuming there are no delays. Now, I, there's also the possibility that they've given you that December date so that they can have it happen in October or November and say, look, we got done ahead of schedule. And there's also the possibility that maybe they do get done ahead of schedule. We had a much better winter than was predicted. We had a, a much drier winter than was predicted. No, no, they could have continued on working and they did continue on working on a lot of these sites through the winter months. And I guess it depends on how rainy of a, a rainy season we have to see if there's any delays in getting that work done. But still for, 
you know, all intents and purposes, intense and purposes, not intensive purposes. So for, for all intents and purposes, if it is going to be December that the train starts, and that means you've got, you know, eight months where people will not have public transportation available. Well, I guess it's not public, it's a private company, but still not have those transportation options available to get to Boston if they need to. I mean, would it, would it have been nice if the service could have continued until at least the train service was, was available? Could the MBTA have given them some kind of... Um, that's what I'm looking for. Could they have offset the costs a little bit? Subsidized. That's the word I was looking for. Could they have subsidized that service until December? I mean, it would have been the least that they could have done because, you know, the train is taking away that service, the need for that service. But then also the other part of it is look at it on the surface. If they're saying that they can't keep it economically viable to run a bus from Boston, from New Bedford to Boston every day. Aren't you a little bit concerned about how many people are going to be on that train? And what the train might end up costing in the future. So I, as long as the, the, the Gatra service is, not, not the Gatra, the, uh, the uh, Serta service is available, that will keep New Bedford from having to pay into the MBTA. But if that service goes away, then it all becomes about the ridership. Because you have to have a certain amount of ridership to avoid having to pay into the MBTA. If I remember correctly from when you know, we were talking about what it would cost months ago. So would you be concerned then that the ridership wouldn't be there to keep it rolling? And I think it will increase. I think whatever the ridership is at the beginning it'll actually grow more than wane. As people realize that the service is available, as people realize they can get a job in, in Boston if that's what they want to do, and it doesn't necessarily have to be that people leave the South Coast and just go to Boston either. They can get off at the other stops along the way. So you can get off and in, uh, in Middleborough or Lakeville or Brockton or wherever else it stops. So you don't have to just get a, you know, a job in Boston. You can get a job in Brockton. And that's a, to me, that's a more palatable ride every day. And it's not an easy ride to make if you're driving. When you think about it, New Bedford to Brockton... New Bedford to Plymouth. These aren't straight shots. These are rides that are going to take a little bit of finessing. And so if that's, if that's going to make it a little bit easier for people to get to those places, that's helpful as well. I mean, I haven't done the math to figure out all the time that it would take, but... You can, you, you can utilize the train to get from New Bedford to Plymouth. 
again, these are commuter rails, though, so you know the the timing of it isn't the same as if you were taking the subway in Boston. You you might have to sit around and wait, and you might be able to utilize those trains on certain days, depending on when you need to be where. But it does open up more possibility. The bus doesn't have those same possibilities. The bus you're you're getting in and you're going from from New Bedford to Boston. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But you, th this service has been in effect of, from reading Phil's article for 19 years. And there was a previous service that ran for about 20 years before that. So we're looking at about 40 years that people have been able to get to Boston from New Bedford via these bus lines. That will no longer be able to do so. The other side of it, and I, and I guess some people might look at this as a, as, a, as a positive. But if you were concerned about people coming down from Boston, homeless people coming down from Boston, for whatever reason, there's, there's, this, there's this mindset that it's easier for people to come down here and, and panhandle for money. Because obviously, you know, you've, you've, you've got way more of a chance in a city of 100,000 than you do in, in the city of Boston of making money. But whatever, people have these, these theories that folks are coming down from Boston to, to panhandle here. Well, then I guess they won't be able to anymore, right? They're not going to have that bus that they can hop onto. You know, the $22 ride that they were going to take to come down here and, and stand on spiked cobblestones. To try to make whatever it is that they would make. But anyway, that's, I guess, one thing that you can say would be a side effect of this. So those of you who have that theory, keep an eye out for the next, you know, eight months between the time the bus service stops and the train service starts. See if you find that there are less panhandlers, less homeless people around. I don't think you're going to find that. But those of you who think that that's the case... You know, you can keep a, a cursory study of that. 508-996-0500 if you want to call in and chime in or hit us up on App Chat on the WBSM app. We will take both of those throughout the course of the show. But right now, we're going to take our next break. We'll be back in a few moments. Yeah. In 508-996-0500 or hit us up on app chat on the WBSM app. But right now, let's go to the phones. Good morning. You were on WBSM. Hello, you're on the air. Hello, how are you, Jim? Good, how you doing? Good. Uh, the, the only way the T will work, in my opinion, from down there, and I, I live in Middleborough, is for all the construction people, we don't need to bring out tools because everything's on site. Mm -hmm. You'd have to leave like at 4 a.m. out of New Bedford and then put us up there. And I know companies would pay for it. 
because the parking is way more money for the company to expend than like taking the T. Yeah. But they gotta re you gotta redo the format. Like there's a lot of union labor and non union labor out of our area. That's the only way it's gonna work in my opinion. I'd like to hear your comment on it. And thank you for your time. All right. Thank you for the call. Yeah, that is I mean that for, I didn't even think about that. I was thinking more about, you know, wanting to take the train for purposes of not sitting in traffic, you know, because for me, I would, I don't, I know I would go nuts having to drive to Boston every day. When I was job searching about 10 years ago or so, um, a little bit, you know, it was, it was actually, uh, it's actually 2012. Was it? Uh, gee, I forget. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was 2012. When I was um, job searching after I'd left the diner and I was looking to get out of cooking. And I started looking at jobs in Boston. And I just kept thinking to myself, could I do that? Like, uh, could I sit in the traffic every day? Or would I be somebody who would go to Middleborough? You know, drive from Wareham to Middleborough and take the train. I'd done that a few times uh, covering Red Sox games with... uh, Because when when I... I didn't cover the Red Sox for the paper, but sometimes when there was the playoffs or something going on, they would send me up there to cover something specifically. And so, you know, there was a time when I covered when they opened up the right field uh, seats on the right field roof. Uh, there was another time I went up there and covered a, a playoff game. And so I would go up with our writer at the time, Steve Britt, who also lived in Wareham. And I'm like, this is great. We can just carpool together and only have to park one car. But Steve liked to take the, the train from Middleborough. Because that saved a lot of time writing. You know, you could be writing on the train and get your story done before you got back to back to back to home. So you would you'd already be done with your story. Uh, so to me, you know, I saw the benefit of that of working on the train and not having to be stuck in the traffic. I didn't even think about parking. The fact that it would be cheaper than having a parking space that you're paying for or having to pay for all day parking in a garage or feeding a meter or any of these other things that you would have to do that taking the train would solve a lot of those issues. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you're still going to pay for parking when you go to the lot uh, at the train station, but it's not nearly the same. So I didn't even think about that. That's a huge benefit. And I can see that being a way for companies in Boston that are having trouble hiring people to say, well, we'll, we'll cover your, if you want to take the commuter rail, we'll cover those travel expenses for you every day. We're not going to reimburse you for gas. If you drive, we're not going to reimburse you for parking. If you drive, but if you want to take the commuter rail service, we'll pay for that because that's a steady, constant charge, a constant amount of money that they would pay every month as opposed to, you know, mileage, gas mileage, all that stuff that, that can fluctuate based on what the, the gas prices are at the time. But if you could say, we're going to give you a stipend of X amount of money every month and that's going to cover your, your commuter rail expenses, that's, that could be a big, a big bonus for a lot of people. And again, as the caller said, there's a lot of things that would have to be worked out if somebody's a union worker, but I think it's an attractive alternative to having to go and just finding a place.
It's one thing if you go to, to a business that has a garage, access to a garage, if you work like in the New Balance building or you work in Government Center, you work like in that area where you know there are garages that are available to you. But it's a different story when, you know, your office building is on a block where there are no garages and you just got to hope for the best in finding a space. And how many people are already driving to, say, Braintree or Quincy Adams and parking there and going into the city from there because there's nowhere to park? So, again, we'll see exactly how this is. It's all speculation right now. It's all speculation because I, I haven't seen enough numbers of who lives in this area and works in Boston. I haven't seen enough of that data. I think some of that data probably wasn't getting released over time because those numbers changed, especially as people have started working remotely. It's no secret that the desire and need for a train is far less than it was pre-pandemic because companies have realized they don't need to have people come into the office. And the general thought process before the pandemic was, well, that is just going to be asking for trouble, letting people work from home because nothing is ever going to get done. And I think companies have realized that actually more stuff can get done when people work from home. It obviously depends on the work, depends on the type of work, depends on the individual. But I know that when I was home, working from home, I got a lot more stuff done. There were less distractions, less things to do. I didn't have to go out and get lunch. Lunch was right in the next room. There was a lot of ways that I was able to pay, and I was done every day by, you know, 4 or 5 p.m. And I would have my dinner out, you know, I'd grill my dinner up, have that out on the, the outside deck, come back inside, clean up, and be done for the evening. Just watch TV, read a book. Now I'm still working at 10, 11 o'clock at night. <laughs> hey, I got to get to bed. What happened? I'm doing the same amount of work. What happened? Anyway, 508-996-0500. We're going to take our final break of the hour. Before I do that, though, you know, as one of the great things about uh, the world opening back up is being able to go back out and dine in restaurants, right? But also sometimes you can't really dine in in a restaurant because you don't have time. You got to get back to your desk. You got to get back home to the kids or whatever. And that's why I love going to Just Another Phoenix because there's many times that I just have to get my breakfast through the drive-thru window. They have a drive-thru window where they have full, the full menu available. I mean, where can you get an omelet at a drive-thru window? Where can you get pancakes and French toast through a drive-thru window? And that's what's so great about Just Another Phoenix. It's the full menu available right there through the drive-thru window. But if you want to go inside and eat inside, you can do that and hang out with their great staff. It's a great atmosphere, too, if you want to you know, go out on a breakfast date. Maybe you want to bring the family out, whatever it is. You will love it there. And I always tell you, they have all your breakfast staples, but they also have creative things that you've never thought of before. So check them out. They're on Fonts Corner Road in Dartmouth. Just Another Phoenix restaurant. It is Certainly not just another breakfast place, that's for sure. You will absolutely love the stuff that they offer, and you will love the atmosphere. Again, just another Phoenix restaurant in Fonts Corner Road in Dartmouth. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back. We have about a minute before we're going to go into the newsroom. And, of course, we will have all of your national and international headlines from ABC News. 
plus all of your Southco stories from Kate Robinson in the WBSM newsroom. And uh, later on in the program in the 11 o'clock hour, we will be joined by New Bedford Mayor John Mitchell. That is the return of midweek with the mayor after a few weeks hiatus. And uh, we have a lot to discuss with the mayor about what's been going on around the city. And uh, we'll take your phone calls during that segment as well. Of course, the next hour, though, it's all about you at 508-996-0500. Or you can hit us up on App Chat on the WBSM app. And if you haven't downloaded the WBSM app, what are you waiting for? It's got great features like the app chat, like being able to stream our audio.